Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that came out a really long time ago. That's right, and that's the way we've always done it. We haven't changed a thing. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll tell you what, actually. It's been kind of fun. I know we've talked about this the past couple of podcasts, but it's been fun to change up this format after so long. And with comics not really coming out, though there have been a couple of titles here and there, and maybe Mm -hmm. we'll start sneaking those in as things start to change. Uh, But going back and looking back at old books has been really enjoyable. And this one actually comes from your Twitter vote. Folks went on Comic Book Club Live, voted on a couple of titles. These were suggestions from you all that you put out there. Uh, And we ended up with DC The New Frontier by Darwin Cook. So we revisited that. That is uh, a award-winning book. I hadn't read it in years. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, Um, I hadn't read it in a long time and had sort of forgotten a lot of it. I remember it as sort of like a vague, vaguely a Green Lantern mm-hmm. origin retelling, and it's actually so much more than that. And the way that the Green Lantern origin is retold is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. I remember the last panel. I didn't remember anything before that, so it was nice. Really, to go back <laughs> it's good. There's a That's lot. That's so interesting. That. What was it about the last panel? Just like the whole Justice League assembled that the the one that's the cover of the first issue of Justice League. Yeah, yeah, where it was like everybody okay. flying and then it's got the Kennedy quote. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here, a little bit of background about this book in case you haven't read it before. There's six issues released by Darwin Cook. This was, I think it's fair to say, like, he had done stuff before this. He did stuff after this before he very shockingly and untimely passed away. Oh, um, yeah. Sorry. I mean, it's a true thing that happened. No, I know. It was, awful. it was tough. Tragic. I remember when it happened. It was, it yeah. was rough. Uh, But this was his signature piece. This was the thing that was like, I am a signature talent that is doing my own thing. And people responded. It won the Eisner Awards for Best Limited Series, Best Coloring and Best Publication Design. It won Harvey Awards, Schuster Awards, and launched a direct-to-video animated film uh, in 2008. There were a few follow-ups. 
There was a story in Solo Number no. 5, which is an old anthology oh. that DC put out. Uh, and there was also a New Frontier special that followed up on the animated movie. Uh, but really, all we're going to be talking about is DC The New Frontier 1 through 6. This is what uh, I actually have it. Uh, I didn't read it originally when it came out. I have two volumes. I have one and two, uh, which is how they first put it out when they collected it. Eventually, it was in a absolute volume. There was an omnibus volume. There's a black label volume, I think, that was put out as well. So they've released it a bunch of times, uh, but here's the broad strokes of it. The broad strokes is it is his interpretation of the history of DC Comics bridging the gap between the Silver Age and the Golden Age comics. So you get the JSA has uh, been, uh, is illegal at this point. They haven't operated for a while. The Flash is new. Batman is relatively new. Superman has been on the scene for a while. Wonder Woman has been on the scene for a while. Uh, but Green Lantern, as you mentioned, hasn't really even happened yet. Um, or at least the Hal Jordan Green Lantern hasn't happened yet. And it's his way of taking this monomyth and weaving it through the real history of America, specifically, as Pete mentioned, leading up to the very famous New Frontier quote from John F. Kennedy. So it's this cusp of communism. It's this cusp of the space race. It's all these things that are going on that are so huge in the myth of America and then mixing them with the myth of the superheroes. And it's so smart. And I just want to throw out the big thing that was occurring to me the entire time that I was reading this. And he, Darren Cook even talks about this a very little bit in the back matter, at least in the collected volume. In my mind, this is an almost direct response to Watchmen in that yeah. Watchmen is showing this transition period in America, in the world, and how it all goes to shit. Like, if you do the wrong things, if you give in to your baser or worse impulses, here's what's happening. And what Darwin Cook, I feel like in a certain way, does with New Frontier is what is the best that superheroes can bring us? How can they make us better? How can they make us come together? And I... Loved it. Like, I loved revisiting this book. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I think that's a great point. It's like a hopeful Watchmen. It's the bright, shiny uh, other side of the Watchmen coin where all the heroes came together and uh, and did the right thing and won and ushered in a new era where people could be better versions of themselves. Um, And it it doesn't shy away from any of the sort of darker underpinnings that a lot of which Watchmen touches on. And I really, I had forgotten that part because of the, the art is so bright and like uh, of that era, very like uh, new frontier for lack of a better term. I forgot all of this sort of like societal stuff that was exposed here and everything, the actual history of America, where it's all this like bad shit happening. And it's great to to rediscover that in this rereading of it. Yeah. I mean, first off, Darwin's uh, Cook's art is just uh, magistry. It is top tier art uh, in perfect form. He he won a ton of stuff for doing the spirit and uh, a bunch of other amazing characters, but just the art alone is just worth picking up this book. It is fantastic to see the way that superheroes we know and love are kind of portrayed through his eyes and his vision. It's, it's a very unique, cool take on it. Um, 
Yeah, I was I was really impressed with this. Um, I, it was dense as fuck, but it was definitely uh, <laughs> Im- impressive uh, what he did, how he did it, how kind of things tied together. And also, yeah, it was bright and cheery, but also that Wonder Woman shit was fucked up shit. And that was an awkward, fun conversation that I'm glad that they kind of had. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of that. And I what I also like about it is you see the your the heroes sort of not being heroes like they're being mm-hmm. characters like Superman yeah. is sort of like a little distant and a little like out of touch. And they're like, hey, man, get your you need to be a, a leader here, not just like a regular yeah. hero that likes punching robots. Um, Hal Jordan isn't this he's like a brash dude um, throughout and he feels like a hero, but he also like isn't the hero of a lot of the early stories involving him. He's just a guy. Uh, yeah. And all of that, like you Martian Manhunter is there just observing for a lot of it. The the villain King sort of you think is the villain King Faraday for a large portion of it um, he ends up being a hero by the end. Like it's yeah. it's just really smartly done from a character perspective. Well, yeah, it's also, it's also uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's also interesting where it starts. Uh, it starts yeah. and I'm, I'm just like, wait, what's going on? Very interesting where that started, how it kind of like really culminates and comes together. It's it's a very interesting starting point. Well, Alex, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to talk about, Pete, is just in terms of the timeline of the thing, specifically as it relates to Wonder Woman and Superman, it begins at after World War Two is over. Like they were at their heyday. We all know this because it's part of our cultural identity, Superman on the cover of a book, punching Hitler, same with Captain America, same with Wonder Woman, you know, just punching Nazis. It's clear. They talk about this later on where this is a clear conflict. World War II, there was good, there was evil. And I'm sure if you lived during that time, things were far more complicated. For example, United States waited a really long time to get involved in World War II and uh, threw Jews under the bus. And there was a lot of pro-Nazi sentiment in America that we kind of ignore. But if you're looking at that broad stroke of history in terms of comic books, for them, it's a simple time. And then where we pick up here is with these World War II soldiers, which to your point, it's not clear, but it's the losers and uh, not Sergeant Rock. Uh, the uh, flag, flag, Rick flag, yeah, uh, Ra- yeah, not Randall flag either, but uh, Sergeant Flag, uh, who getting stuck on this dinosaur island, which is a very like haunted tank, very DC type thing, but it does thrust you into they are lost after this war, like they are literally lost, and that's where it starts. These elements, they're killed. That part of the world, that part of history is dead. And then we're on to the cusp, the birth of something new. Uh, And it's great. And we get a history of, while all of that stuff we've been saying is happening, we are also getting a history of comics. Like you're saying, you got your your war comics right here, your Joe Kubert uh, style stories. And I feel like that's the reason they start there. Besides the the fact that this island plays into is sort of the ends up being the villain by the end. Like they start in these war comics and then progress outward into uh, detective stories, cop stories into yeah. and finally getting to these big, bright superhero uh, action stories. That is the sort of silver age and then modern age of comics. Yeah. Uh, and one other thing this is actually jumping ahead, but just because you mentioned it, the villain, this dinosaur Island ends up being something 
something like a floating otherworldly Lovecraftian almost thing called the center, which to me, since I had already dug in on the idea that this is the anti Watchmen to me, I was like, Oh, you're going from the squid at the end of Watchmen to this gigantic creature that's trying to destroy society at the end here. And ultimately they beat it and they save everybody the way that they don't in Watchmen. And again, it just felt like there were very clear parallels there Uh, rather than going through issue by issue though. We certainly could do that. um, I think what we did last time when we were talking about squadron Supreme is good. Start calling out specific things that struck you. Uh, And one thing that I'll start with just because I thought of this while you guys were talking, when you were talking about some of the more complicated things, one thing that I had completely forgotten in this book that almost seems side to the narrative for the most part is uh, John Henry, who eventually yeah. inspires yeah. John Henry Irons to come steal. Uh, it is this grueling, excruciating story of racism in America that end, not ends, but... Ultimately, he is inspired to fight back against white supremacists. There's this gut-wrenching sequence where yeah. he's beaten up, crawling in an alleyway, and oh, uh, God. Yeah. a little white girl is there, and he's like, please help me, you gotta help me. And she calls him out using a racial slur, uh, and that's how he dies. But ultimately, in an even more specific way, the way that I read it, even more specific way than Superman, he is the person who inspires that next generation of heroes, I think, is sort of my takeaway of the point of his story throughout the book. What did you take away from it? Yeah, I mean, sort of like, it's the darkest stuff in this whole series, and it feels like it it is the struggle, like... putting someone struggling through that and then losing but inspiring is the sort of hardest journey that we see here. And I think it is meant to be like you're saying, Alex, sort of that fight through that darkness. There is hope on the other side of it. That's what I took away. Yeah. Yeah, I I was really happy that they, they even though the, that the art is very bright, that they were still kind of having these conversations and talking about this history um, you know, uh, they also talked about like Native Americans, you know, with that one guy who is part, part, uh, Native American. And that was really cool that they kind of took Pie face. Put, put, yeah, put that in there. But like, also like, um, for me, the Wonder Woman thing was the big standout that I was like, oh shit, that's right. And I love this about like Wonder Woman where she's like, all right, whatever fucking, you know, Cape alien, you know, you live above in the clouds with everybody. Meanwhile, you know, these women are being tortured and kept in cages. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I put the guns out and I let them decide, you know, like that was some hardcore shit. Yeah, and the look great. on Superman's face was like, what? You can't do that. <laughs> She's like, well, I am standing on top of a table drinking with my friend. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. <laughs> I love the Wonder Woman Superman relationship throughout this whole series. They're like oh, yeah, sort of friends, rivals, and they're like busting each other's balls to be like, hey, get your shit together, yeah. Superman. In the end, when she's really injured, they kiss. But then a minute later, Superman is with Lois Lane in this. He's like, hey, my best friend is really injured here. Let's go beat this thing to inspire them. I really also love the turn of phrase to where she like in the beginning, the phrase was like, get the fuck out of here. 
But in the uh, the second time, she said it was like, you know, stand up for yourself and really start leading. And it was phrased the same, but it had two different meanings. And I really loved that. I also really liked how the end of this book was the call to action. Instead of just being like shit blows, like, you know, it was a little bit more like, hey, we can fucking turn this around. What the I love- other thing... Oh. Uh, the only thing I was going to say that I thought was kind of fascinating about the Wonder Woman sequence as well, which is relatively subtly done and not really dealt with too much by the end of the book, is the fact that, as you're mentioning, she is in this bar she's drinking in Vietnam. And she talks about it a little later on as well when she's giving a speech on, I think it's the White House lawn when she's being given. Yeah, and she gets shuffled off. She gets shuffled off. She starts talking about Vietnam. uh, And this is, we're talking about the late 50s. I think it's Korea, maybe, then. Is it Korea? I believe so, yes, because oh, Vietnam okay. was I th- later. I thought she was talking about Vietnam. I thought she said Vietnam. At some she point may have been in Vietnam, but I think a lot of it's all spinning around the Korean War. I mean, I, I don't know 100%, but... Right. Okay, regardless, I think that probably... You're probably right. That probably does make more sense with the time period, but regardless that they're sort of like skirting along the edge of these conflicts that were seen and are still historically seen as far more complicated than World War II. Um, I think that's, pr- that's pretty fascinating. Like it was, it's nice to see that touched on, even if it wouldn't make sense necessarily to follow it up. Like if there was a new frontier volume three to be like, things get really fucked up when we start talking about these wars yeah. that are not as easy because that's not the point he's coming around to at all. That's also like to get back to the thing about John Henry and also pie face. He doesn't like, this is, I understand why not. And I don't think it would have this place, but like he purposely touches on these more complex and potentially racist parts of DC history without getting into them too much, because ultimately the idea of the book is to be positive, to be hopeful, to lead up to this cover of justice league moment at the end of it, juxtaposed with John F. Kennedy's uh, new frontier speech. But I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of talking around it, but I'm curious to hear like, do you think there should have been more of that? Should there have been more delving into the one African-American character of the book, the one character of the book who does have Inuit heritage, uh, who was called pie face by Hal Jordan back in the day? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like it's an underserved part of the story. Um, but I also think this story doesn't feel, it feels like it's saying we have these problems in America and these characters, are, I'm, he's telling a story, Darwin Cook's telling a story of, like, rising up through them. But to your point, like, it lands in a very simple, like, easy place where it's like, look, now we fight a giant star. We don't have to deal with these <laughs> more difficult issues anymore. And that feels a little disingenuous to, uh, to reality. But I think the point is, it could also be a comment on comic books, how mm-hmm. comic books went from wow, Superman went to World War II and fought Nazis and dealing with real issues, and now it's like, no, we just watch people fight now a lot. Well, and if you're going to talk about the history of comics as well, you go from that era with the Justice League, which is the iconic era of the Justice League, to then the 70s, comics fall down, they become super silly, and then the 80s, you do have things like Watchmen that do respond to that darkness in a way, or Dark Knight Returns, or Squadron Supreme, which we talked about on the last episode of The Stack, where people were responding to that, and that's not what he's trying to do. He's writing 
in the 2000s talking about this period that takes place before people were responding to the darkness. And I think that's what he's trying to bring back to comics is that hope and that light and that sense of genuine heroics. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about some of the characters. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to talk about Hal Jordan. You mentioned that the, you mainly remember this as a Hal Jordan origin story. How do you think his plot line paid off throughout the book, Justin? Uh, I liked it. It was a little bit, we spent a lot of time on it, and it feels like, you, I'm like, where, it feels so a little bit wandery, and it's not about his origin. I think that was my preconceived notion. But I just love a lot of the, the scene work with like the romance between he and Carol, I thought was cool. His multiple failures, uh, how he has to get rescued a bunch of times because he, like, makes mistakes or is trying to fix shit. It's really about – I feel like the Hal Jordan stuff is very much the right stuff, just, like, putting that on um, these male – a lot of these male heroes that we see, the pilots Mm -hmm. that he ends up rescuing in the the last issue. Uh, So I like that it it kept – it was a, a team almost, and then we got into the Green Lantern stuff just a little bit. Pete, how'd you feel about the Green Lantern stuff? I know you're not a big Green Lantern fan. Yeah, I'm not a big Lantern. Yeah, it's just dumb. But um, I think that that this kind of also proved that, too, because at one point, I think it was his dad was like, you've had the ring the whole time? Yeah, I just didn't think it was definitely his dad. Definitely not his dad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's a specific, like, specifically that character is like, your dad died. Like, that's the whole, his whole plot Right, is oh, that yeah, his sorry. dad died, and he's always tried to live was, up. To- yeah, was, God, the way they were standing looked like a father for son moment. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the because they were the playing catch and funny. setting up a tent. Was that what it is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times when I'm standing with you guys, I try to take on the father position. I try to look <laughs> like oh, the nice. father. Does it? Yeah. Do you think people think that? No, because yeah. you have a hat on backwards and you look like you're. Four. I don't think I'm doing it right now. I'm sort of in the sun pose right yeah. now. Oh, okay, <laughs> you kind of look like my cool dad, Justin. That's how I have but, always thought of it. That's right. Yeah, I consider why well, you have two dads, and I'm one of them. Right, I'm the cool one. Uh, cool, Pete's cool, the cool. dork. <laughs> uh, so my point is that. Oh, sorry, yeah. I just got to ask another question. Uh, do you love uh, stuffing your dad in a locker? Because that's like <laughs> classic, <Yeah. I> love- <laughs> real swirly. I love putting the other dad that I'm raising my this son Alex with in the other locker. Stuff him right in there. Swirly other dad. Pete, were you saying something? Yes, I was. I was. I was waiting for your. Why did you make us talk about that? Why did you make us talk yeah. about that? I, I just. I think that moment in the comic really sums up how I feel about uh, Green Lantern. Uh, is a, a waste. It's just a fucking waste. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is so not, stupid. The, Get out of here with that. He's not a waste. In fact, this story isn't even about him being Green Lantern. It barely comes up. It's about him being a hero. We're talking to about save. he got empowered by the Guardians. He like really felt like he he was feeling his ring there by the end. He was like, oh, I just charged with a lantern every day. This is so cool. I got a but, lantern charger. That was like half of one issue. The rest of it was about Hal Jordan, like trying to figure out his life and trying to find his place as this pilot. Yeah, the rest of it was it. Hal Jordan being a complete douche. It was awful. I don't think you like people. Um, one thing I also sure. liked here is the yellow imperfection. I think that's mm-hmm. a cool. I know people think that's lame. I like that as lame. a part of. Me too. 
I, I wish they'd bring that back. Like, I feel like there's always this temptation with comic books to keep overpowering people and overpowering yeah. characters and be like, you like Green Lanterns? Now there's a fucking guy called Iod and he could do anything, literally yeah. anything. And the fact that like it, this book brings the characters down to that base level of... Does he have the will to move about? Can he do it in the right way? Does he know how to use the ring? Oh, he can't fight yellow, so he's got to figure out some way around that. Or the way that they ultimately beat the center, where the Atom is developing his shrinking ray, and the Flash just having to be like, okay, I'm going to strap on this shrinking ray. Can I actually run fast enough around this thing to do this thing? Particularly when he's previously reached a point where he's like, I've given up. Yeah, I hate this. Like, yeah, exactly. I can't do this anymore. Uh, and then pushing himself harder than he's ever pushed himself before. Like every single character is so well balanced and hits this perfect iconic level of they are these heroes that you look up to. But at the same time, they're not like you were saying earlier, Justin, they're not perfect. They're yeah. trying to do their best. And that's what makes them heroic. I love that idea, though, that like you're saying, like it's so, so many, uh, so much of continuity uh, in the DC and Marvel universe is just like, you like Green Lantern? How about Greener Lantern? You like Flash? <laughs> this Flash is in reverse. Uh, and when it's really like, if you took some time and just like, you're like, you know what, let me just tell a story that is, di- drills down on these characters a little bit. Then I, we don't have to do, the Lantern is slightly shinier. Yeah. Uh, I did. What uh, I think it was Jim Lee, it was like all-star Batman and Robin where like Batman uh, painted a whole room yellow, drank lemonade and fucked with Green Lantern. That was one of my favorite <laughs> things of all time. Yeah. Well, uh, sort of to that point in terms of letting the characters be the characters, not to completely ignore what you just said, Pete. But uh, one of the things that I was so surprised about and pleasantly surprised about with the ending that I had completely forgotten is... Batman is seated throughout this book, right? He is, after superheroes have become illegal, he's one of the few vigilantes who's actually still operating. He uh, has the very tall ears. Everybody's scared of him. We find yeah. out later on that he, which is such a great reveal, we're told very early on that there was a fight between him and Superbad where he actually beat Superbad. We find out it was because of Kryptonite. And then by the end of the book, it's clear they're actually friends and they did that so that everybody would be too scared of Batman and he could still yeah. operate in Gotham, which is great. But the move that I love is Batman gives crucial information to everybody by the end, but he stays out of the final fight. Like, I feel like there's always this Batman's one of the most amazing characters of all time in all of pop culture. And every single thing now in DC comics is always like, well, Batman's at the center. He's always there. He's a human being, but he's the one coordinating. He's at the center of everything. And then here he's like, Nope, I got some new eyebrows. I got a son. Now his name is Robin. I'm going to hang back in Gotham. I can't handle a giant monster thing. You guys go off and do it is great. Like, I love the confidence there to hold him back and not include him. And you see Bruce Bruce Wayne sending um, uh, money, planes, weapons to the front. So, like, he's not fully out of it, but he sort of has the uh, it's a wonderful life uh, uh, character arc for this where he, like, ends up just being the man on the home front fixing shit. I also like real quick yeah, that um, was, he's like he's like such a dark like I he's a jerk for the first three or four issues. Then he's like, and now I have this kid. 
we're friends. And it's like <laughs> sort of unexplained anything beyond that. It's like, okay. What are you going to say, Pete? Uh, uh, I, it was weird, though, for the final fight, not seeing him in those kind of like you saw, uh, you know, Black Canary on a motorcycle in the air. But we didn't see, uh, you know, we didn't see Batman. It was kind of weird. I understand what you're saying. Like, that's what I'm getting at is I think it yeah, makes me agree more, with you. Yeah. Well, it makes more logical sense. Well, I agree with you. Pete, well, what no, the I fuck? agree. I agree harder with both of you. <laughs> if you like that agreement, you'll love this agreement. It's more shiny. I'm the super agreeer. Uh, what other characters we should talk about? We should probably talk about Martian Manhunter because he's obviously a big part of the book, as we talked about earlier. So when we meet up with him, he has just landed on Earth. He has accidentally killed the scientist who brought him down from Mars, given him a heart yeah. attack. He takes on his identity. Then he takes on the identity of a detective, John Jones. Uh, and over the course of the book, he first becomes friends with Batman, and then he becomes friends with King Faraday, uh, who captures him. That becomes this not even begrudging ally so much as really best friend until ultimately Martian Manhunter decides to take on a more superheroic look so that he can inspire people like other superheroes. Uh, what did you think about his arc? What did you think about how his character played out throughout the book? I love it. I It feels like Martian Manhunter is the character who's outside of America observing America the whole time. So he gets to see sort of the good things and the bad things. And you follow him going from being this outsider to being this like true hero and insider and part of this new frontier of, of heroes. And I think it's that's meant to sort of work with all these other themes we're talking about. Like America has its problems, but we're working through them to try to reach this brightness that, that JFK was talking about in that last speech. Uh, yeah. March Manhunter has always been one of my favorite characters. Uh, it was cool to kind of see this kind of take on Martian Manhunter. I liked uh, a little bit more of how pensive and kind of like, uh, assessing things uh, he was kind of into. And it was fun to see his perspective. And as Justin likes to point out, we got inside his head a little bit. So it was cool to kind of see a little bit of how he thinks and where he's coming from. And his perspective on the world was very cool. Um, I also really liked the way they handled kind of like his fear of fire and how that can like shut him down. And Batman had like a badass line to him. Like, I can take you out with a fucking matchbook. Uh, that's cold as shit. Uh, yeah. I, I also want something I want to talk about earlier is like the way they handled like Batman's fear. And there was like this one narration where it was like we were just standing there and you could hear Batman just like breaking people's bones and shit. And that was the only sound in the room. And I was like, oh, man, that is awesome. It was <laughs> a really kind of like badass Batman moment, which was cool. But uh, overall, I just think that that like. What I liked most about this book is not only was it kind of like motivational and kind of like, hey, you know, it doesn't have to always suck. Uh, it was the <laughs> way that they kind of gave everybody perspective and different kind of like thoughts on stuff. So it was like just a nice, well-rounded kind of like experience from a lot of different perspectives. I mean, the fact that like we got in Wildcat's head uh, while he was fighting and I'm like, yeah, he's fighting Cassius, Cassius Clay. Yeah, Cassius Clay. I don't know if you win that one, bro. You don't think no, he beats? I think Wildcat takes him down. I think he takes him down. I don't think so. I don't think so. 
I like I, that sequence was great. Another that's another sequence that feels a little bit separate from the rest of the story, but just a great like you see Wildcat down, he gets back up. That's his whole character trait is like he's yeah. not a super powerful hero. It's just you no matter how hard you punch him, he stands back up. Uh, great. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take that as an opportunity to talk about some of the other characters that just kind of blip up a little bit. The ones that occur to me offhand, particularly because at their end, uh, we get to see a little bit of Green Arrow. We get to see a little bit of Aquaman as well. Aquaman, oh, yeah. to me, is the one that, based on how great he is towards the end, I would have wanted to see more of him. I don't know how you want to work him into the story necessarily, but that's one that like he shows up in the last issue or two ultimately to be like, I have commanded the seas. And then we don't see much of that other than him saving Superman when Superman falls into the water, when they're fighting the center. Um, And it's badass when he comes out of the water and everything. But that's something that like, it felt like it could have been seeded a little more towards the beginning of the book. Personally. I agree. Go ahead. I I just think that that's kind of the thing. Like, that's that classic you wanting more. Like, if they would have gave you more, you would have been sick of Aquaman. But they gave you the perfect (laughs) amount where you wanted more Aquaman at the end. And Mm -hmm. I just, like, to touch on it, like, that moment where it kind of opens up and he walks out and is like, this one's asking for Lois. Oh, just tugs at your heartstrings. I mean, come on. That's a great moment. Um, but I agree. Like, I feel like you, it's hard to include Aquaman because Martian Manhunter is doing that same job as being sure. the outsider who observes the surface world and is trying to figure it out. But I agree. I think just one little sequence of him, like, uh, at the lighthouse or, like, just watching something happen from underwater, that would be cool. Another one that is a surprising inclusion for me but makes a lot of sense from DC continuity history is the challengers of the unknown. They play a very big part in the book. They're characters that keep popping up in modern times because they are pretty fascinating and weird, but uh, it almost feels like to me, the way that they play in here, they're almost skirting side to the narrative and they're ones. And I know it sounds like I'm lumping on this. I love this book. I think it's absolutely fantastic, but the Challenger's story to me, in case you don't know it, they're four people. They were actually the precursors to the Fantastic Four. They got in an accident, somehow miraculously survived that accident, and decide to explore weird mysteries. They don't have powers like the Fantastic Four, but the characters are, relatively speaking, exactly the same. Yes, yeah, a daredevil, uh, a scientist. A, exactly. A tough guy. Uh, And so they play into this mostly because they are there and so big in DC continuity of the time. But I wish they paid off more in the final fight, personally. I I feel like the Challenge of the the Unknown, the Blackhawks, even the Losers to some extent, all sort of fill the same spot in the DC universe, and it's not super well-defined. So I agree, it is hard to really be like, oh, I love this about them. Pete? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it was cool to see him. I mean, I I don't know. What what do you want me to say? Sure. Uh, (laughs) Well, I don't know. I I mean, I would say I don't know if you guys have read it, but there's a great Challengers of the Dawn series by Jeff Loeb and I think Tim Sale uh, that really drills into their characters. That's a great team. Yeah. It was one of the first things that they did for DC before they broke off and did like 
Long Halloween, I, I think, if I have the continuity right, Long Halloween, and then their color series for yeah. uh, for Marvel. Um, and it's really good. Here, all of the Darwin Cook Challenger stuff is really good. But to your point, Justin, I agree that it ultimately pads out of them being like, we're here, the end. Yeah. You know, it, it is there some out. unknown here? Because we'll challenge it every oh, day of the we week. Will. Uh, what uh, else? What else? In the a book couple other things I want to call just some great images. Like I love the uh, Flash's costume coming out of the ring. That's another thing I think uh, that that I wish would nope. be just part of normal continuity. Nope. I would love to keep my nope. clothes in different rings and just pop them out, pop them on. Uh, it, I love the image. Clothes works. What? That's not how clothes works. It could work that way. A lot of times, nope. my clothes pop out of my drawer. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you haven't washed them so long, they just walk around on their own. Okay, I do want to say something about really... the clothes, though, and the way that Darwin Cook draws the clothes, which is very of the time, or at least of original comics, but, like, the clothes don't fit well. You know, everybody draws superheroes as if they're basically naked and have no genitals, but then their skin is painted. Like, that's the typical way of drawing superheroes. And here you see, like, Superman's shirt is tucked into his pants. Yeah. And I, I love that. Like, I love that sort of bring them down to that level of... They're humans. Because, like, yeah. I, I have to go through every comic I read and add the genitals, and I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I love in this book. I don't have to. And I'm, oh, I'm adding genitals all over the place. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't stop at a crotch. Yeah, no. Knees, <laughs> elbows, forehead, yeah. wherever I can. It's just not right on the right on the edge of the chin. Yeah. Do you know who's hard to do that to? Eye boy in X Men. Yeah. Where do you put the genitals? He's got eyes all over the place. That's his weakness. Mm. His ultimate weakness. Um, I really loved. Really, <laughs> this was fun. Moving yeah, off what this. Are we talking about? Uh, I loved the Wonder Woman in her invisible jet, and she's oh, actually that injured. Was so heartbreaking she's to see injured that. and bleeding everywhere. I thought that oh. was very cool. You don't um, think she spilled juice? That might have that been That was unbelievable. Juice. Classic, don't bring tomato soup up in your plane. <laughs> Memphis Bell. Bad plate food. Especially I've done that every planes. single flight. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, Green I Arrow. really love the, the way they handled that. And like that was just so powerful and amazing uh, to see her like that. That was really well done. What else were you going to say, Justin? Uh, Green Arrow uh, was fun, funny. I like the sort of lighter-hearted Spider-Man-esque Green Arrow here. Um, and uh, that's it. I, I I love this book across the board. It, it was a fun reread. Yeah. The yeah. other thing, just uh, based on something Pete said earlier in terms of the text, you were talking about the bone-crunching sequence with Batman and... You also mentioned how dense it is at certain points, but what I think is wonderful about the pacing and the lettering and everything is that it varies it up, that there are these really gorgeous, pretty much silent double splash pages or single splash pages, and they're interspersed with these times when it's just dialogue sequences, but the very dynamic dialogue sequences. And then you'll get things where it's just narration or uh, these pages where you're reading newspaper clippings. You know, this is something we actually talked about a lot on our Watchmen podcast that yeah. I think I mentioned very rarely is well done in comics where people will do this ancillary material. And of course, Alan Moore did it really well where it felt like, 
it channeled the correct writing for different types of newspapers and magazines and etc. And Darwin Cook does the same thing here. Like he nails it. Like it feels like every single piece of, oh, here's a newspaper clipping is actually a newspaper clipping, which is much harder to do than you think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Go ahead, Pete. Just, no, I was yep, just going to say, yep, like, yep, yep. It, you know, it's, uh, it's no, no, just sometimes it does like because you have a flow when you're reading a comic. There is something to a pace. There is something to a thing. And that's a very risky to kind of put in a bunch of prose or to have to read a newspaper in the middle of a comic book. So it's like if it's not done well, it can really pull somebody out of a book. And uh, yeah, so when it's done well, it's important that we're kind of like holding it up. I do that, though, with every single comic book in the middle of the book. Like I get 10 pages in and then I'll go read that day's New York Times and then I'll go back to the book. Wow. That's weird. See, for me, it's just so hard for me to add genitals to the prose. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, what letters do you hang the balls off of? You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> Great question. The answer is the R's. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to say the M. You end on the M, bottom of the M. Oh, okay. Wow, Pete says that like a substitute teacher <laughs> Coming in, teaching the kids the real way to live <laughs> Before we wrap up here, I should have mentioned this in the beginning But I left their names out uh, Darwin Cook uh, was the writer and illustrator But Dave Stewart was the colorist And Jared K. Fletcher was on Letters And of course, all of those are very vitally important to, Particularly to a comic book in a package like this Of course, to every comic book, but particularly here uh, Any final thoughts about New Frontier before we wrap this up. Justin? Uh, reading this also in our current uh, both political and uh, pandemic environment, I thought was really cool. It was really like inspiring. Like, yeah. oh, there's a lot of bad shit out there, but despair. That felt really like with the Flash and sort of how Jordan, like feeling out of place. It's like, well, you got to keep doing what you feel like you're good at and muddle through and you'll find a magic ring. Um, and the flash, uh, where he's <laughs> like, you know, I feel disillusioned by all this, but I am fast. So <laughs> I have to <laughs> run. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with Justin. Like, uh, I was having kind of a shittier day yesterday and this kind of gave me a lot of hope, you know, and it's, uh, hopefully, uh, when we all come out of our bunkers, you know, maybe we can kind of, uh, uh, try to change things and uh, for the better because I don't know, man. I thought this was a good read for what's going on, and I felt motivated. And, and also, I went and then watched the on uh, DC Universe. They have uh, this as well, an animated version. And uh, that oh, was you watched that? You should have yeah. brought that up earlier. What did you think of the movie? How did I've never seen it? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's basically. I mean, they make some changes. Um, just for the storytelling purpose in the beginning, but I, I thought it was uh, all the key kind of stuff from the comic was there. What if we got together after this and we challenged the unknown? <laughs> oh, That's man. what I'm talking about. There we go. I'm into that. Let's That's great. Do it. I know a lot about the unknown because my um, uh, children – my two daughters both have an Elsa doll from Frozen 2. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anytime you press the button, she sings Into the Unknown. Oh, so, okay. And now they both have one of those dolls, so that's um, <laughs> all I hear. And I would love to challenge that. 
That sounds great. My kids have a Trolls 2 Poppy doll, and I was very excited to rent that over the weekend. And finally here, trolls just want to have fun in the movie form instead of the 20-second form. Does it live up? To the, does the longer version live up? No, I to think the, the doll version is better. Yeah, that's the Criterion <laughs> collection of the, these, uh, these great tracks. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, New Frontier is phenomenal. If you have never read it, it's six very dense issues, as we've talked about. So as we've been talking about on all of our podcasts, it's good to have something to fill your time and take your mind off things. And this is something that is not only very good, but is very meaty at the same time in a very positive way. So highly recommend checking it out if you never have. You can check it out, all of the issues on DC Universe. Uh, you can also get them at Comixology if you don't want to venture out to a comic book shop, which is understandable, uh, but this is great stuff. If you want to have us review something on a future episode of The <laughs> Stack, like next week's Stack, uh, we've already done Squadron Supreme, we've done DC The New Frontier. So you definitely can't do those. You can't, can't pick do those. those. Can't request those. But definitely hit us up at Comic Book Live on Twitter or our email, comicbookclublive at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'll definitely put a poll up again on Twitter and ask you all what we should be talking about on next week's Stack podcast couple of other things we should mention. We do the show live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to the internet on Crowdcast and YouTube, so come hang out. Those have been a blast to do. Really, really fun. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or app of your choice to subscribe and listen. iTunes, please leave us a comment. In particular, those help us out a lot. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club to support the show. Uh, also, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. And tell you what, we'll see you on the new frontier. Ooh, yes. Covered in genitals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why? Why? (laughs) Why?